This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Tell the person next to you I'm ready to change. Tell the person next to you I'm ready to change. It's one thing that's consistent about the Word of God and one thing that's constant about your Christian walk, and that is change. And so you have to be ready. If you are a stubborn person that don't like to change and don't want to change, you're going to struggle with your Christian walk and you're going to struggle with the Word of God because the Word of God is going to always minister to you to change. Always. And when you don't change according to it, because of for whatever reason, let me tell you, you can't, if you wanted to do your own thing and you wanted to uh, uh, live the way you want to live, you should have just stayed outside of the body of Christ and just do that. But once you come into the kingdom, there are rules and regulations that God has set and he has an expectation for you to live by them. Amen? And so in this teaching, we're coming out of the book of Ezra. So we'll go to Ezra chapter 7, which is our foundational scripture. And we know God here is commanding Ezra to go back and restore worship in Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And so we pick it up in in chapter 7, verse 6, and it says, This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses which the Lord of of God of Israel had given, and the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord, his God, upon him. And so we simply put, Ezra was was ready to do what God was asking him to do. That's all that just said, that he was ready to do what God was asking him to do. And how do we know, and why was he ready? It says in verse 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart, to seek the law of the Lord to, and do it. Now, that's where we, we fall off at. You know, we, 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 we want to seek. We're not so in to do. But it says that he not only sought it, he did it. Amen? To do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. So we have learned over the last several weeks that before God moves in any of our lives, in this ministry, in anything that you're doing, so that's why you don't jump out and do everything. Before God's moving, now you can move like that, and you can do what you want, but know this, in your life, in this ministry, in what God is doing, before He moves, there's always a time of preparation. Because God, because God is dealing with us. Uses. So he's like, I can't just do this for you. I need to prepare you for it so that it won't overwhelm you, won't overtake you. There is a time of preparation. Before God could restore worship in Jerusalem, there was a time of preparation for Ezra. And he prepared his heart. When you're in the time of preparation, you must stay there. Don't try to come out too early and don't stay too late. When, it's, when preparation is over, it's time to move. But while preparation is going on, whether during the preparation he's rebuking, correcting, chastising, uplifting, exalting, you stay still and let the preparation run its course so that you can be prepared when it's time to move. We also learn that preparation is a choice. 
We have to choose to be prepared. We have to choose to get our lives in position so that God can use us. If we want to be used by God, you have to be positioned yourself. Now, God is giving you preparation through his word, but you've got to position yourself. We also said what preparation was. We said preparation is the unseen, actually the hard unseen work that produces seen results. Now, it's going to be things that you do that nobody sees and things that God is dealing you with that only you and God knows and it's unseen. And that unseen work is not something that you're going to be able to do out and out in this ministry where people can see. It's something that God is going to be dealing with you by and no one's going to see but you and God. But but the results that everyone else is going to see is the results of unseen work. So the work we won't see, but results will be like, oh my God, God must have really done something with them because I can see this. I can see that because it's going to be, it's going unseen work, hard unseen work will yield results. Are you following me? It will always yield results. And we've also learned over the last several weeks that we have to do the hard unseen work to prepare our hearts for the next. We have to do it. You have to do it. You have to make it up in your mind, this is what I'm going to do. Again, I don't want to just call it unseen work. This is going to be hard work to do. But guess what? Anything that you want to do, I have found out people will put everything they have in it if they want it. When they don't want to do it, they act like everything is too hard, or they can, or they this, or they that. But if it's something that's going to benefit them, they'll put everything they have in it plus some. Well, I'm going to tell you, this will benefit you greatly. You won't see it until afterwards. So because you don't see it, you probably, "Mm, I don't know. Well, let me tell you, it's going to be a hard work. But guess what? You're up for it. You're qualified for it. You can do it. Amen. So we're gonna we we have to do that. Now it's not easy. It's not easy to get your heart ready, and it's not easy to get your heart right. Not when you put so much junk in it. It's just not easy. Amen. And no, but and and the thing about it is not being able to. I mean, uh, uh, it not being easy. It's really because nobody can see you doing the unseen work. And like, ah, nobody don't even appreciate this. Like, well, you know what? God appreciates it. He's the only one that needs to see it. He's the only one that's going to see it. Amen? And then I told you that I'm here to challenge your heart condition. I want to ensure that this church is prepared to be used. If our hearts are not right, we will not be prepared. Simply put. If our hearts are not right, we will not be prepared. If our hearts are not right, we will not do the work of restoration. And we are in, God has called us in this time to restore this generation. We need young adults that need to be restored. And God is calling us to that. But you will not do it if you're not prepared. If our hearts are not right, we're not able to manifest the love of God. And we need to be, people need to see the love of God. We have to manifest that, you have to have a right heart. If our hearts are not right, simply put, God will not use us. He cannot and he will not use us. 
I told you the purpose of this teaching is to get us to focus on the work at hand. Focus on getting this generation where it needs to be. The thing about this is we like to focus our attention. This, this, this is the thing. We like to focus our attention on the scene work. And God is calling us to focus our attention on the unseen work. See, we like to focus our attention on the wrong thing. I did this. Oh, okay, I cleaned this up. And oh, I did it. I fixed this. And oh, we're doing that. Mm -hmm. But I want to, us, in this teaching, I want us to focus our attention on the unseen work preparing our hearts. That's where our focus is. That's where the 2020 vision come in. That's where the 20-day the, the fast is coming in to, just for us to see that I need to see that I need to focus on this. I need to focus on the unseen work. I need to focus on the unseen work of preparing my heart so I can be positioned. That's where your focus should be because all of that is going to play an important part in our uh, assignment that God has for us in his next move. Amen? And I want each one of us to deal with things that are in us, including myself. Everybody, everybody in this ministry, we all have to pay attention and we have to focus on it. We have to deal with the things that are on the inside of us that no one knows about. Amen? Because those things that are inside that no one knows about, it can hinder you and it can hinder this ministry. So you have to make sure I'm dealing with that. We don't want to hinder the work of God in our lives. We don't want to hinder the will of God in our lives. We must realize and understand that there are some things, unseen things, down on the inside of us. And we have to deal with it. Know that. And I don't know, I don't care how much you think, like the uh, minister, uh, the minister said, uh, you came out holy, that's some things on the inside of you. I promise you. Amen. And so God wants to deal with us about that. And you know what? I, if we don't deal with the unseen things and hinder the work of God in our life, let me tell you what's going to happen. It will stop what God wants to do for you, and it'll stop everything that God wants to do you do for you from to come into pass. It won't come to pass. And now that will stop it because you will harden your heart. Now you have prevented God from doing what He needs to do to bring something to pass in your life that you need. That you need. Are you following me? I told you our goal is to establish the will of God in this church. We want to be a people and we want to be a place that God can use to heal the hurting. There are people out here that are hurting. People who are struggling. People who are looking for a place that they can come to, be healed, and be made whole. God said it was. And he said, I want you all to be that place. I want you to be the people and I want the church when they come and the place, the location where you all assemble to be a place where they can be healed. Are you with me? And made whole. We want to be the people that God can use and the place that God can use. In other words, we want God to be able to say to someone out there that's hurting, 
someone that's searching and saying, God, I, we need a church. We need a place where I can grow and develop. We need a church that's going to teach truth. We need a church where we can be healed of the different hurts or discouragements that we've been under. We need something, God. We want you, those people that are out there, we want God to be able to say to them, there is a place. And he will put C-L-O-L-W in their path, however he does it. And he said, but I want you to know, when you go to that church, because we have already been prepared, we're positioned, we're ready. He goes, now when you go to that church, and when you walk in the door, the first person that you see is going to help you get your healing. going to help you get where you need to be. It's going to help you get out of what you've been into. Why? Because I've prepared them. And they're ready. They're ready, scribes. They have prepared their hearts. They've gotten junk and stuff out. Now, when I say the first person you meet, they, you're not gonna, they, they won't necessarily meet me. They might not even necessarily meet a minister. Because all of us should be ready. They might meet an usher, but you're the first person that God said they're going to see and that's going to help them. And God is telling them, and as you go in there, and as you settle in there, that person is going to walk with you all the way through and help you get through this healing. See, that's what God is preparing us for. We don't have time for any of the foolishness, any other carnal stuff that people are into. Let them be into that. But those that want to be prepared, get the 2020 vision. Don't use this fast as a diet. Use it so you can see the work that's ahead. This is seriousness. Are you with me? So we want to be those people. And, and God, God is telling them, you're going to be able to help you with every hurt in your life. Why? Because we're all there. And when they come in here, we want God to be able to say, this is the place. See, because most of the time, people don't know how to choose a church. They choose a church based on numbers, or they choose a church based on a choir, or they choose a church based on, well, let me see what I hear and see if I like it. But the Bible says God sets you in the body as he sees fit. It doesn't matter what you're feeling, what you're thinking. You need to be where God is telling you to be. You don't know what you need. God does. You, don't, you can't tell God what you need in the kingdom. He tells you. He's the king in the kingdom. Not you. I go, you know, I'm going to find me a church. I'm going to find... Well, you're going to find a mistake. Because you, you're looking for the wrong thing. God, say, God, lead me where I'm to go. Show me. I'm going to tell you. I, let me tell you. I don't... God is not going to come down with an audible voice and say, Go to church of the living water. You know, we're not into any of that spooky stuff. But God will find a way to put us in your path. You'll meet somebody. Or you hear about it somewhere. Or you do something, whatever way God does it. And you'll be like, you know what, I need to find that church. I need to find that church. Because, you know, you have a responsibility after God leads you to get up and do it. Amen. And go and find it and meet that and, be, and, and meet yourself. So, you know what, God, I, I found it. I'm, just, I'm, I'm going in and I'm going in with a clear head. I'm not looking at if it's a female or male minister. I'm not looking for anything but to hear your voice. When you come in like that, you're going to hear clearly. 
you're going to hear clearly. Because I'm going to tell you what kind of ministry we are. We're not a desperate ministry. Just because you see empty chairs, we're not desperate for members. Because God, God is the one that sets into the body as such as should be saved. It's not even on us. Not like that. So we're never desperate. We're never desperate. We want you to hear God. If God didn't tell you to come, guess what? We don't want you here. But if God told you to come, then you need to come, sit, be still, and learn, grow, develop, and say, you know what? This is what I needed. It's just, you know, it's, it's very simple. But see, we've been so carnal so long, even in our Christian walk, that we don't know how to even, even see that. We haven't been validated. Amen? <clears throat> so, there, we, we have to be, we, this is going to be the place. Where you can come and be made whole. This is the place where people are going to come. Where the breaches of their lives can be restored. Because they have been torn down. This is a place where you can be rebuilt. This is a people that are going to work side by side with you. To put the pieces of your life back together. Whatever it is. Amen. And then I told you we had several objectives, and we've already taught on three. We've taught on how to restore our hearts. That was our first teaching. And then we also taught on our second teaching, how to change our hearts. And last week we dealt with the how to have our heart to obey. Mm, that was a good one. And this morning we're going to deal with how to prepare our hearts to minister. How to prepare our hearts to minister. Write it down. I'm going to, while you're writing that down, I'm going to go over a few things that we taught on. In our first lesson, we said that we need to know how to restore our hearts. You can't restore others if you are not first restored yourself. That is doing the hard, unseen work and rebuild and, uh, uh, and, uh, rebuild the damage that been made. It happened, let me tell you, all that that has happened in your heart, you gotta get that thing right so you can help others. Our hearts must be healed, we said. If we are to be restored, we said the only th- way that our hearts can be healed is we have to forgive. We have to forgive. We have to let it go, let it be, and leave it alone. Remember that? We have to let it go, let it be, and leave it alone. You know, one thing that I've learned about the past, and I want to share it with you, and, and because a lot of us, we kind of live out of our past. One thing that I've learned about the past, and that is the past, the past is not holding on to us. Oftentimes, we're holding on to it. We're holding on to the past. See, we like to blame the past as to why we're not moving, but the past, but the past doesn't have arms. You do. It's over, but you keep bringing it back. So if you're stuck in the past, it's because I have reached out and taken hold of the past, and you're refusing to let it go. You're refusing to let it be. You're refusing to leave it alone. You keep bringing it back up. You keep holding on to it. You keep saying this about my past. This, that, that. You keep holding on to it. The past does not have any arms. It doesn't doesn't hold on to you. You hold on to it. You know, you can have, you, you know, you can have unforgiveness in your heart 
maybe even to an extent that you're really bothered with someone because you're, unforgi- um, you're, you're unforgiveness in your heart, and they probably hadn't even done anything to you. Remember the prodigal sons, the two boys? Remember the one brother was angry with the other brother that came back? Well, he was mad and he was upset with the brother that came back. But he didn't have nothing to do with it. He, the father gave him his inheritance. And he got, but he was upset. He was angry and want, didn't want unforgiveness. And his brother hadn't even done anything. But he was just mad. The father gave him his inheritance. He was out. It had nothing to do with him. And see, maybe, just maybe, you mad at somebody nothing to do with you. It amazes me how people can get mad at somebody because somebody else is mad at them. It has nothing to do with you. And now you in bondage. Oh, well, you, well, you know she's going to be like this. She went. And then you got an attitude. Stupid. That's called stupid. That's called dumb. I'm not getting mad at anybody because of what you said. Especially if you have a history of drama. But it's amazing me. Fools always like to hook up with other fools and hear foolishness. Now, if the shoe don't fit, don't put it on. But if it does, buy it in every color and say, I've been a fool. Because you don't get, you have nothing, that has nothing. You're angry with somebody about something that has nothing to do with you. Because someone else said it. I tell people all the time, they start new jobs. Uh, and, and God always put it on everybody's heart. I, tell, I always tell them, I said, now when you go to your new job, know, know this, note this. And so this will help somebody else if you're going to a new job. I, I tell them all the time. I said, the first one that comes and tells you about everybody in the area and what everybody's doing, they're the ones you watch out for. Not everybody else. Because they're, they're, they're the one. And you all, they're giving you all that. And you're already getting a judgment about people. And you don't even know. You're going to find out you'll be, some of the people, when some of the kindest people, you'll be like, I had the whole roll of, yeah, because you listen to a fool. If they're running and telling you about everything that's going on in the area and who to watch out for and everything, they're the ones to watch out for. I'm telling you now, they're the ones. Amen? And then, so, um, let me see, where am I? Hmm. Oh, we have to clean our hearts up. Uh, you know, our hearts have to be cleansed. You can't heal something. You know what? You can't heal something that's infected. You cannot. The first thing you have to do is get the infection out. See, so if your heart has been infected, that's the first thing. That means I have to clean out all the junk, all the garbage. I have to follow, you know, you know what? And then I have to follow up with guarding your heart. Remember we said how you guarding your heart. And you know what? We can bring that from the medical, the, the, the medical, uh, uh, stem of this. Because, for example, when you have an infection medically, just naturally medically, notice what they do. They make sure that everything's cleaned up. They make sure, I'm talking, let's say you have an open wound and it's infected. They, what they do is clean it up. They do, but notice what they, what they do. After they get through cleaning it up, putting salve in it, whatever they're going to do, giving you a shot, doing whatever. They never send you out there out, out without it being covered, guarded. 
They always give you something for it because it's an open wound. Well, it's the same thing with the body of Christ. It's the same thing with your heart. You've got to guard your heart. Now that I've gotten the junk all out, got all the fools out, got all of the junk and messy part out, now I've got to guard it. I don't let any and everything. That's why I'm telling I tell people all the time, that's why my circle's like this tight. I don't let everybody in my circle. Because, let me tell you, when you start doing that, it's trouble for you. Because you're going to always have somebody in there that's a fool. So you keep your circle small, and you know who's there, and you know you love everybody, but you can never come across to my circle. Not when it's going to jeopardize. Why? That's called guarding your heart. It's not saying that you're bougie and you don't want to be, you know, you don't. No, no, no. I'm guarding my heart. And I know you got a history, and you, no, I know you a history of being ignorant, and then I'm going to just welcome you in. No, and I'm not, not going to stop loving you, and I'll talk to you, I'll laugh and joke, but don't think you're coming into my circle. Because I have an anointing to protect, I got a calling to protect, I got children to protect, I got a ministry to protect, and I don't need that. What if they change? Well, I hope they have changed. But just because a person changed don't mean that's going to warrant you in my circle. Change and go find a circle to get in. That's it. That's, that's fine and wonderful. You should have changed. People, and that's another thing. People get all off on that. They think once a person changed, they forgive me. Then y'all need to just go back up and hook up like you used to. That'll... Listen, you better get sense in your head. You know what? Just keep fasting and praying. 2020 vision will come. Amen. And then you'll know how to do it. And again, it has nothing to do with despising, not liking, don't have nothing to do with them, or I think they're doing No, no, no. I love you. I'll do all that. We can laugh, kid, and joke. But that is out. So, we, what do we say we have to guard our eyes from? We've got to guard our eyes from what we see. Our ears from what we hear, our mouth from what we speak, you know, what my mind, what, what you know, I got to watch what my mind, what I put in my mind, what my hands handle. And we know these hands, that's the, let me tell you, these are very popular for getting us in sin. Our hands is the number one sin maker. We got to make sure we guard that. We got to guard where our feet go, our literal feet and our virtual feet. We talked about that. Then we learned how to change our hearts. You know, from time to time, you have to change your heart. Because it doesn't, if you don't change it, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hardened. Some of you in here, you can't hear because your heart is hardened. And it's hard to hear. I'm going to tell you, it is very, very hard to hear when your heart is hardened. It is very, let me tell you, if your heart, yeah, let me tell you one of the uh, things that you'll know if your heart is hardened. If all you can see up here is me, and you're frustrated with everything I'm saying, that's because you have a hard heart. That's, that, that's all that is. Because you should look past everything and just hear what God is saying. Mm, she meant that for me. 2020. And you'll see. 
So we have to guard that. We have to understand that. We got to change our hearts. We got to say, God, I, I want this. You know, we have to understand, I have to allow the Word of God to correct me. Correct me, God. I have to allow the Holy Spirit to correct us. Listen, God, you know, understand this. God will speak to you. He will speak to you. All you got to do is position yourself to want to hear. God will speak to you. And when he does, you have to allow the Spirit of God to correct you. He's speaking to you this morning. Allow it. Don't get frustrated. Allow God to correct you. Listen, know this. Whenever, whatever God... Whatever God sees in you, it's not a mistake. Oh, you missed that, did you? Some of you did. Whatever God sees in you, it's not a mistake. Oh, well, I don't think... No, no, no. If God said it, it's not a mistake. It's not a misunderstanding. God never misunderstands. (laughs) He never makes a mistake. What he sees, he's trying to show you. And let me tell you, you will say, it's just her speaking. It's just that's what she thinks. Or she's saying that just for me. Again, it's God. And God, no, is no mistake. No misunderstanding. So when you hear it, say, oh God, that's me. When God sees something on the inside of you, that is who you are. I don't care what you show other people. That's who you are. God is not misreading you. (laughs) She just misreading me. You know, I possibly can misread you, but God can't. And everything I'm talking about up here is not me at all. It's God. God is not misjudging you. They judging me. No, God's not misjudging you. As long as you think it's a person, you're not going to hear God. God is not misjudging you at all. He's not misunderstanding you. Everything, know this, everything, everything is naked and open to God. And we have to deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with the mirror on the wall. The man, the woman in the mirror. That's you. Clearly. Everybody say deal with it. So when God speaks to my heart, what he is seeing, and the problem is, I have to allow him to correct me by his spirit. What he's speaking to my heart is what he's seeing. So what he's speaking to this morning is what he's seeing. But now you have to allow the Holy Spirit to correct you. And be okay with it. Actually be glad about it. Then I have to allow authority to correct me. Mm. Then we said when you correct... when you. Uh, you we said, if when you are corrected, it's because you are what? Period. God will not be correcting you if you were right. 
If you are being corrected, it's because you're wrong. Be okay with that. See, you're not okay with it because you've been thinking you were right. And, and you could possibly been thinking you were right for a long time until today. Or when we talk this. Because if you're being corrected, it's because you're wrong. If you weren't wrong, you wouldn't be corrected. Then we have to have a heart to obey. And we said God cannot use us with a heart to, that will not obey. In order to have a heart to obey, we have to desire righteousness. And he said if we have to, in order for us to have a heart to obey, we're going to have to do the hard work of learning to yield. Learning to yield your will. Learning to will. You know what? You got to yield to the will of God. You got to yield to the plans of God. You got to yield. You got to yield your members. You got to yield your, your as instruments of righteousness. And we talked about instruments. They don't play themselves. God is the musician. Your instruments of righteousness. You got to yield it though. Then I said we have to learn to have, we have to, we're going to have to learn to be a servant. We got things all backwards in church. We think that God is our servant and that's why we're always asking him to do stuff for us. And we walk through that. And I want us as a ministry of people to understand this. We are going to have to start getting out of the act of bossing God around or acting like he's our servant. We're his servant. We got to stop asking him to do, 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 and start asking him, what do you want me to do, God? I'm your servant, like any natural servant would do. No natural servant go to the master of the house and tell him what he wants and tell him what to do. And let me tell you how, this this will help you when you think God is your servant, because this is what, when, when, when when you're telling the master what you want, you claim it. You do what I ask you to do, and when I get it, I'm claiming it. You're my servant. No. God is not a servant. We're his servant. If we can look back on our lives and look back on things that we don't... When's the last time we just say, God, what do you want me to do? Now, not what do you want me to do because if it's not really what I want to do, I'm not going to be all in for this. But, God, I'm not coming asking for anything. I'm just... I don't ask the master of the house. Why? Because the master of the house knows how to take care of his house. So you don't have to tell the master how to take care of you. You need to you need to go and, and look look at, at people that have servants in their house and have a master that run the house. They provide everything for everybody in that house. And the servants never go tell the master what to do. They're always at the master's beck and call. That's where we should be. Always right there. God forgive me for acting like you have been my servant. 
I know you know how to take care of me. I thank you, Lord. You just, you, you just tell me what you need to do. See, a lot of times, like in your situation, if you would just ask God, Father, I just come on. I want to know what is your will for, for, for me today. What do you want me to do? He'll tell you what to do in your situation instead of you asking him what, telling him what to do about it. <laughs> oh, you missed that. See, when you ask him, what do you want me to do, God? He'll tell you what to do about your situation instead of you telling him what to do about it. You're telling him to do something about it, and God's like, that's not the way to go. But you're asking me to do something that's not the way to go. If you would just let me be the master, and if you just let me lead and direct you, I'll show you how to get there. That's in healing. That's in your finances. That's in your marriage. That's in your life. The same way. But nobody wants to know God, you're my servant. That's the way I've always felt. Just, oh, come on, everybody, let's get down to the altar and let's pray to God. Let's tell Him. I'm telling you, they be having devotion and telling God where to stop by. Who tells the Master where to go and stop by? Stop by the hospital, Lord. Stop by so and sister so and so's house. God's like, no, I will have you, servant, to go do that. God, just, what? God said, uh, 2020 vision is in order. That we see and understand and we know. But we can't get into that because we talked about that on our last teachings. I'm hoping I'm making you really mad about what you missed. Amen. Because I'm just hitting on just a little, <laughs> just a little bit. Just teach you to just come to church. Amen. Now, we have to stop going to God asking Him to do stuff for us. We need to start learning how to go to God and ask Him what He wants us to do for Him. And then we also, we've learned to have the proper attitude. One thing I've learned by watching children, watching my grandchildren, just watching children, and this is that, you know what? You're not born, you're just not, you're not born with with the proper attitude. You have to learn it. You have to learn it. You know, I'm, let's talk about what I'm talking about, proper attitude. And all of us had parents. I know, you know I did. But you remember when your parents would, would tell you, or you might even tell your children now, your children can relate to it, where you go in and you tell them, fix your attitude. Get on out of here and fix your attitude. Or we'll hear it this way. Get out of here and fix your face. Don't come back in here and fix your face. I remember growing up as a teenager and stuff, and my mother said, Get your little tail on out of here and fix your face as you go. But let me tell you, I would always come back with my face fixed, but my attitude never changed. My face was fixed. I could fix my face for it. But that's exactly the way we do God. God will come with a word like this and He said, fix your attitude. And next Sunday you'll come in, your face will look fixed, but you got the same attitude. You got the same attitude. And God is telling you this morning, fix your attitude. Fix your face. And don't try to play me. Remember, I'm the musician. Don't come in here with your smiling face like you got it fixed because I know the inside. You're just showing people like everything is all right. But the inside is stone cold hard. 
nasty and bad, wrong, and don't expect me to use you. I won't. I must see, not a, see, I must see when people don't see. See, we think we, because we're dealing with an invisible God, He can't see all of my wrong on the inside. I'm telling you, He don't need 20-20 vision. He's all seeing, all knowing. So He sees clearly what nobody else sees. All of us, oh, let me tell you, some of us should have been in Hollywood a long time ago because we can fake it real good and we can act it out real good. But it won't work with God. That really matters. Because it doesn't matter if you fool me. If it, it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter if you fool everybody in here. But know of a certainty, you'll never fool Him. And guess what? You won't fool us too long. You know why? Because if He's not using you, it already lets me know. He's still you about something. Because the ones that He's going to use, who those who have softened their heart and say, God, deal with me. I want to be used by you. Master, I want to be used by you. Are you with me? Now, for the new information today, go to Philippians chapter 2. And write it down. Subtitle, How to Prepare My Heart to Minister. Go into Philippians chapter 2. Listen, God cannot use us if our heart is not prepared to minister. God cannot use us if our hearts are not prepared to minister. Our hearts have to be prepared to minister when, where, how, and to whom God desires. I'll say it again. Our hearts have to be prepared to minister when, where, how, and to whom God desires. Because you never know when God wants you to minister. So your heart has to be ready. I remember I was in the airport, and you know how you have to go through and you got to take off your shoes and you got to do all of that stuff and you go where you go seem like you go to me it's like you go to two or three I'm like well how much can you check you know you, I mean you, you I mean do I really look like a terrorist that I'm you, you got to check everything but you know when you were you 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 go through and you they hold you up it, whenever they hold me up and they start patting and want to do that you know what I'll be asking God, is this the opportunity to minister? Because God, let me tell you, you got to be ready when, where, wherever God wants. I'll never forget when me and Pastor was traveling, and uh, you know how they go through, you go through, and 
and he had walked on over and, and stuff, and then it was me, and he kind of looked back, and he saw I was held up and everything, and and so he, you know, and once you, once they check you and you going on, you know, you can't come back through. So, you know, he couldn't come back to through, and, you know, and, and he was always very overprotective of me, and well, I, I won't say overprotective, just protective, not over, and you, a man can't, a husband can never be overprotective of his wife, just protective. And, and you know, and so he's just out of the distance, you know, looking, so, and, and I'm just talking and doing what, doing what I do and everything. And so when I finally got through, he went, he said, gosh, they really took a long time for you. What was going on? I said, honey, I was ministering. I was over there talking to you. Well, I don't know, you know what? I'm like, you know, why they busy trying to tell you how you look or you look nice and everything? Yeah, well, God is good. God, see, I saw it somewhere. God is faithful. God will open the door. And, uh, oh, well, what church you go to? What, what? You know, you never know when. Just leave yourself open. Now, I'm not talking about being religious. Because some of you go in there and try to tell the doctor the diagnosis. Shut up, because now you're looking silly. And you're bringing a reproach upon Christ. God, Christ don't need your help with that. You're going to go in where God already told me he's going to heal me. God, no, 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 no. Because if I was your doctor you came in and told me that, I would say, well, why are you here? If God told you that, then you are disobeying him. Don't go in. You don't go in like that. But I use the opportunity because first I let him speak to me. And when they open a conversation, well, I'm going to talk to them how I talk. That just opens the door. So again, my whole point is, you don't never know when. But leave yourself open so when God opens the door and you have 20-20 vision, you know when to walk through. Because I'm never going to be religious. See, some people just want to just go up and just start being religious with people. I, I, I don't be religious. But I, but I will minister to you. Amen? So you never know how God wants you to minister. And you don't know who God desires for you to minister to. That's why your heart has to be open and right to hear from Him. Are you with me? It's also why you should close your heart to corrupt communications. Nope, can't let that in. Because I'm going to tell you, people will talk you out of doing what God has spoken to your heart to do. Because God ain't doing it with them. Well, I am not doing that right now. I, well, I don't know. You ought not be doing that right now because I'm going to tell you, they're going to change on you. They're going to do that. Oh, that's the people you run from. Notice they're not doing anything. But the enemy will never let you see that. People will talk you out of what God has spoken to your heart to do. That's why you have to stay focused on your instructions that God has given you. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. That's one reason why I don't have my circle with anybody in it. Because people will bring distractions in your circle. They'll bring distractions. Loved ones as well. See, we think it only talking about somebody. No, loved ones, loved ones too. I deal with my children, you all all know, since, since the passing of our founding pastor, both of my sons live with me, my grandchildren live with me. But let me tell you, I still, even with them, I deal with them just to the point where I want to. But when it's time for me to do my own thing and by myself and everything like that, they know. Because they're not going to be a distraction either. My grandchildren do too. 
they they know. And 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 my best part is when everybody's going to work and I have the house all to myself and everybody's out and the children at school and everybody's gone and then I have all of it to myself. And when I do that, or if I go in my room and my door is locked, they already know. I don't need the distraction. Because I don't know what you're doing all the time. All I know is what I'm doing. So I don't even let loved ones. They cannot distract me. You cannot let anybody distract you. Listen, we have to make sure that our heart is ready in advance to, to minister. See, it has to be ready in advance. You cannot, listen, you cannot get your heart ready at the time of the opportunity. It has to be ready beforehand. Your heart has to be ready in advance. When I say ready to minister, in this message, when I say ready to minister, I'm going primarily focus on this definition. Write it down. To minister means to serve and give to others by commandment of God. When I say serve, when I say say minister, that's what I mean when I'm talking in this teaching. I mean to serve and give to others by commandment of God. In other words, when I am ministering, I am serving and I'm giving into the life of someone else because God told me to. See, most of the time when we hear the word minister, we think of somebody with a license to be a minister. But all of us are called to minister. Every one of us are called. We are all God's ministers. Why? According to this definition that I just gave you, we are all called to minister, serve, and give in the lives of others. And why do we do it? Because God commanded us to. I'm doing it on the command of God. We have to prepare our hearts to minister. Now, here's the key to preparing your heart to minister. It must always, not sometimes, always be motivated by love. Now, again, we have to do the hard, unseen work to deal with our motivation. Because how many of you know that not, is, love is not always the motivation for ministering, oh no, oh no, oh, I'm going to get them, oh no, I'm going to minister to them. No, no, the motivation got to first be love. Where's the love? I minister to them, but I got down on them. No, where's the love? Where's the love, the motivating factor? That's, again, the hard, unseen work. Because the person you're ministering to might have done something all against the Word of God. But you still must deal with them with the motivation of love. In correction, it still has to be the motivation of love. And when I say motivation of love, I'm not talking about trying to pick and choose the Word and coddle them and, and smooth it. I'm not talking about that. Sometimes you have to jerk somebody out of the way of the 18 William will or bearing down on them and you don't have time to talk sweet. You're about to die. I'm going to jerk you out of that path. And that's, that's, that's pure love. No matter how hard I jerk you and how, much, how sore you are after I jerk you, aren't you glad you're still alive? Why? Because they saved me from my foolishness. But not always, it's not always motivates. Our, our love is not always our motivations. And 
Love is motivating us at all times, but not only motivating us, but constraining us to minister to others. See, love is key. It's key. We have to make sure that the love of God is challenging us to minister to others. We have to make sure that the love of God is perfecting us to minister to others. Church, here in the book of Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. Paul called this church his crown and joy. I like that. And most theologians would tell you uh, about the church at Philippi, the Philippian church, that uh, this particular church was without distractions, without disorder in it, without disturbances. It It was good. And this is the church that we want to pattern ourselves after. The church of the Philippian church. The church of Philippi was the, the go-to church because they had it going on. They were following all of the instruction that was given to them. There was no bunch of distractions and chaos and mess in the church. None of that. This church at Philippi, this church particularly, it supported the gospel being spread throughout the whole world. But in all of that, and Paul realized exactly what kind of church this was. The, he knew how good it was. But being that, he, him realizing that, it, that the church was a good church, but he still understood that they still had room for growth. They still had room for growth. Hmm. And I like to say that this church was our founding pastor's crown of joy. And it's my crown of joy. This church has my heart, just like it had my founding pastor's heart. This church. That's why I don't try to, I ain't doing no circuits. I, let me tell you, 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 all, you all just don't know. Some people ask me all the time to come do this, come do that, come do that. No, 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 no. This is my crown of joy. This is where I'm called. And, and again, it's nothing wrong with going out to different... It's, there's nothing wrong with that. But this is my crown of joy. Right here, Church of the Living Water. But guess what? Just like Paul said about the Church of Philippians and ministering to them, but I don't care how good I think our church is, we still have room for growth. We still got room to mature. So in chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, If there be therefore any consolation... Now this is a, I love this because this is a very rare glimpse of Paul dealing with the church. Letting them know that they could be better than they were. Listen to me. If, If there is therefore any consolation in Christ, in other words, if Christ had done anything to console you at all, meaning if He loved you, if He's given you the love and have comforted your life, all of those things, meaning that if God, God, let me just keep reading. If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. If God have given, ever given you mercy, 
That's all he's saying. He said, if, you, I mean, if, you, if God has fellowshiped with you by his spirit, if he's done all of that, he's saying, what I want you to do, look at verse, the, whole, the whole verse from 2 to 4. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Everything on the things of others. Now, see, right there, church, if you're going to prepare your heart, write this down. Here it is. First point, you must prepare your heart to minister within the body. Within the body. That is what he was challenging the church of Philippi to do. He was... He was saying that if God have loved you, and if he's been merciful to you, and if, and if you have been, been consoled in whatever situation you're in, in your hurting hours, if he's consoled you, if he's comforted you in your life, this is what you, 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 this is what you need to do in return for that. In all that he's done, this is what you do. Minister one towards each other. See, we have room for that. Listen to what I'm saying right now. Our first ministry is to one another before anything else. Listen. And see, this often happens in churches and happens among Christians is we get excited about ministering to strangers, but not each other. But the Bible says, be good to all men, but especially... Those of the household of faith. Especially. Now he put that. That's just not. He wasn't filling the book up. He meant that. He said now I want you to be good to everybody. I'm just going to paraphrase the way I want. And it won't change the scripture. He said now I want you to be nice and be good to everybody. But before you do anything. You make sure that everybody's on one accord in the household of faith. You make sure every need is met. You make sure everything is right with everybody in the assembly. First with you. First with each other. That's our first ministry. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 2 and 4, when the church was first established, the first ministry was them that believed and was on one accord. The first ministry was to make sure that those who believed didn't suffer lack. Go back and read it. Before you start doing anything else, the first ministry was going from house to house, praising God and thanking God for one another. Then and only then does it say that God added to the church as such as should be saved. After they did those things, Listen to me, church. Critical for us to understand and know. It says, after that, he added to the church. Church, if we're not going to minister to each other, there's no need for God to add to anybody else. 
Because we haven't done the first work. Just ministering to one another. So why should he add to the church when you first have to do this? In the early church, they did all of that. Go back and read it. Read the whole book of Acts. Why does he need to add anybody else? Our first ministry is to one another. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. The church grows when we care for one another. The church grows when we love one another first. And I'm talking about spiritually and numerically. When first, first, care for one another, love one another. The church grows when we're willing to serve and give into one another. Now, I can't stop anyone because you're going to always have slackers. And you're going to always have those that want all they want you to do is give. But I have something to say for you. God has something to say to you about that as well. Just hold, just, just hold your mule. Our first ministry is to one another. The church grows when we're willing to serve and give into one another. You know, sometimes, and this is for pastors out there that might might get it this is this is a word for you as well as everyone in here but this is the word word for pastors maybe they'll benefit from it sometimes we get so concerned about discipleship but the issue with the church understand this the issue with the church is not that we're struggling to bring people in that's not our do the issue with our churches is that we are not ministering to those who are in here who are in the church. And we're so busy trying to disciple and trying to get people to come in and try to No, no, I that's let me tell you, God is gonna add to it as they, as we do what He's commanded. You don't have to do all the extra stuff. You listen, whatever pastor this is for, take it. Let me tell you, turn that ticket in, lose your money or whatever. Forget about going to how you grow how to grow your church seminar, everything. Just do this. Just do this. Just love one another within your congregation. Cause them to love one another. Cause them to, to be there. Just do that. And minister to those within. And God will add daily. God will add to the church. Don't go doing all. Let me tell you. Send me that offering. Put it in, I, let me tell you, I won't take it personally. I'll take it, I'll put it right in this church. Instead of going and doing something foolish like that and not obeying what the Scripture says do. He, the Scripture tells us, we have to minister to it. Love one another. The ones that are in there, make sure they're walking as one. God will grow the church. Instead of giving these charlatans your money for no reason and they know it's not going to happen. And if it does do a little little squirt, they won't stay. Because you're dealing with flaky people all the time. Now, listen, listen to me closely. We are one this is what we have to understand. When the make note, we we we're the church. I want you to make note of this. We are one church. All of us together. Young, old, rich, poor. High class, middle class, upper class, low class, 
no class, and we got all kinds in. But we still one church. We are one church. Black, Hispanic, Asian, indigenous African, whatever. Filipino, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, the one church. There's no such thing as a Filipino church, a white church. No. A Hispanic church, a black, no. We're one church. And God, God demands that we love one another. We are one church. And our first ministry is to one another. Now, now, there is an importance, and I'll talk to that, talk to you all about that on the, in, the, on, in another message, of how you do minister to the lost. And we should. But I'm not talking about that right now. What I'm talking about is preparing us for the God's next move. Preparing our hearts. So God is dealing with us within the church right now. Because there is a message on how you minister to the lost. Or, uh, you know, but that's a whole other message. Now, Paul was saying, and I, and, and I love Paul because he, he, he knew what he was doing. It, he was saying, that's all he was saying in, in the whole, that whole chapter telling them how they have to be with one another. Even though everything was going good, everything, everything, they didn't have no distraction. He said, but let, make sure that you minister to one another. See, that's how you keep it. And then you need to, you need to be aware of somebody coming in and, and putting in your ear about somebody else and talking down about somebody else. No, no. You need to tell them, no, no, no. We're one church. We're one family. We all need to, if you feel that way, tell them between you and them and y'all talk about it and let's keep it going, stand on one accord. But if you like to hear mess, you're going to give, lend your ear to it. I recognize troublemakers. They're easily recognizable. Listen, I have to prepare my heart, letter A, to see value in everyone in the church. To see value in everyone in church. Church, we can't get to a point where we don't see everyone in the church that have equal value. Everyone in the church is valuable. You know, out of all the things in ministry, since the transition of our pastor and the transition of different things going on in our church, the, the one thing that gives me Great pleasure is seeing the young adults putting their hands to the Word. I'm telling you. I'm going to tell you out there, if you, if you listen to me, you have not met the best young adults if you haven't met the ones that belong to this church. They are the best. And that has encouraged me greatly. Putting their hands to the Word. Church, listen. We have to see everybody as valuable. In the church. When you see everybody is valuable, you won't have a problem ministering. You won't have a problem being a minister. And I'm not talking about license. I'm talking about just ministering because everybody's valuable. You know. Now see, I can serve and I can give into your life. Not just my life, not just you giving into my life, but me giving into your life because you're valuable. Your life is valuable. 
Every life in here is valuable. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how you're living right now. You're still valuable if you belong here. It's valuable. See, church, we have to realize that we are a body. God is saying, for what I have you all to do, you all have to get this down on the inside. You all are valuable. We are a body. If we are a body, we cannot, we cannot fight against each other. We cannot. We cannot. And don't you dare confuse emphasis with importance. We understand and know that our emphasis right now is on restoring this generation that's lost and that's hurting and struggling. We understand that. But we have young men and young women. They're going through challenges. Caught up in things. In their life. And the world and everything in it in their life is overwhelming them. Their situations are hurting them. And they need our help. They need our help. But not if we're fighting with each other. That's our emphasis. And we're doing that because everyone is valuable. Everyone. See, we can't have a whole segment of population in our church hurting and we, we don't do anything to minister into their lives. We can't do that. We have to minister into their lives. Coaches. And that doesn't mean that they're a church and we're a church. See, don't separate it like that. Get the 2020 vision. There's no, it's only one church. There's, we're not divided. See, you confuse emphasis with importance. And you shouldn't. We are a church. And we're one church. That's most important. And we love everyone. Most important. We minister to one another. Most important. And you know why? Especially for your older ones in here. Listen to me closely. Because there's going to come a time when every one of these young men and young women who have been restored in the life of this church. So I can only talk about the ones here that have been restored in the life of this church. You're going to need every single one of them. You're going to need them. You don't see it now, but you will. You're going to need every one of them. Why? Because my purpose in teaching, I'm positioning them to take care of you. To minister to you. In your time of need, because it's coming. In your hour of need. So you better see everyone is valuable. Because that very one that you are calling invaluable, you're going to need. You're going to need. Our God is speaking to us this morning. 
But I'm out of time. But our work is just beginning. The hard work. Down on the inside. But we're going to continue this tonight. You know, God always leads us best for the night crew. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.